amazing.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. God is amazing. God is amazing. God is amazing. Amen. It's good to know the true and living God. Oftentimes, I'm talking about him. I go out of my way to say, the Lord Jesus, the almighty God. I just love to emphasize who God is because so many people uh, may believe that they know him, but they don't. And so I like to try to emphasize who he is every opportunity I get. Jesus, the Christ, the almighty God, the true and living God, the only wise God. What he does, nobody else can. And so I love to just make sure I identify with who he is. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord. God is doing some amazing things and some wonderful things. Church, if I can tell you this, I've seen this and I don't want this to happen to you. God is always up to his business. He's always doing what he's going to do. And he wants to bring every one of us along on the journey. He wants to bring every one of us along on the journey. And so every opportunity you get to hear his word, to apply his word, to understand his word, to get stronger in him, to walk closer with him, to obey him, we got to do it because we don't know when He's going to open the floodgates and make us more responsible to do more things in his kingdom. There is going to be an opening of the floodgates of lost people wanting to find the kingdom of God. And you and I who know who he is, you and I who know how to be saved, you and I who has ingrained our, our life into the kingdom needs to be that answer, that, that beacon of light that will help those that are trying to press their way in to the kingdom of God. And so while it might seem like not a lot or a whole lot happening where you're sitting tonight, I guarantee you to give it some time. Jesus is about to do something that is going to rock you. And if you're not ready, uh, it can cause you to become, as I've said in the past, become a little bit disturbed, a little bit frustrated. Because when you see things moving along and you feel like you're not a part of the movement, that can frustrate you. That can, that can make you feel uh, disappointed and, and make you feel like, wow, you know, what's going on here? Because you don't feel like you're moving with the tide. Well, I'm telling you now to just get on board and move with the tide now. So as it's moving, you'll be moving right along and you won't be looking and wondering what's going on. Because when you're not moving with the tide, the best thing you're going to do or to be able to do is begin to criticize. Because you're wondering what's, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? What's going on? And so get on board and trust the Lord. Uh, someone recommended a book to me the other day. I hope I'm not misquoting the title of it. 
I got it on Kindle. I just haven't started reading it yet. Just browse um, through a couple of pages. But it says that you are what you love or you become what you love. I think um, that's that's the title of the book, that you are what you love. So whatever you love, you will eventually become that. Mm-hmm. The amens went down to about three. <laughs> whatever you really love, you become that. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what do I really love? Right. And if you can identify what you really love, then look at your life and see if you don't see some evidence of that becoming a big part of who you are. I guarantee that's what it will be. Amen. Somebody said to me today, I'm all about church and the Lord. That was a compliment. That's what they told me. You're about church all the time. Church, 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 the Lord. That's a compliment. Because guess what? It means that's what I have become. I want to become about Jesus and his business. So I'm okay with somebody saying that's all it is. But church, I want to say this to you. Um, Hopefully I can communicate this to you and you can communicate this to others. We misunderstand all of what is, uh, is, is, is comprised of God. We miss, we miss it. Unfortunately, so many of us are thinking that God is about clapping your hands. God is about coming into the church building. God is about reading your Bible. God is about praying. God is about singing. And, and, and we just can only see those things and say, well, you know, that's not what I want to be about. I don't just want to be about clapping my hands, going to the building, reading my Bible, praying. I just don't want to be about that. And unfortunately, that's where people limit their understanding. Well, they don't have a choice because they don't know him. But that's where their understanding stays. And, and so when, when you're trying to get across to them that God is everything, they can't grasp that because all they can see is what I just described. But I want you to understand. And when you understand, you can pass this on. God is everything. What does that mean? It means that if you are unhappy, if you get God, you'll be happy. It means if you're limited in your way of thinking and perception, if you get God, you will not be so limited. What does that mean? It means if you're struggling with pain in your body or mental challenges or, 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 or thoughts and things that, that are, are just challenging. For some people, it could be suicidal. God is everything. He is not just something. He's not just clapping up the hands. He's not just singing songs. He's, he's not just coming to church and praying. He's not just, oh, God, bless me. That is so limited in what you see when that's what you think. God is everything. Everything consists in God. That's what the word says. In him does all things consist. So whatever you need, other than spiritual things, it's in him. So we get in him the spiritual, and we get in him all of the natural things that we need. He is the answer to everything. But we just think he's the only answer to something. And here is the catch. Here's the catch. Here's the catch. 
We want the things we want out of God without taking, what did I talk about Sunday? Wanting the treasure and not the feel. It don't work that way. You can't get the treasure, meaning whatever you think is valuable, whatever you think you need, you can't have that and not have the feel if you're trying to get Jesus. And so that's a challenge for many of us is I want the good things that come from God that I need in my life, but I don't want all that other stuff. Well, unfortunately, when you get Jesus, the other stuff is going to be a part of it, too. So we got to really stop and think about and realize the importance of all of that, that trust me, everything you need is in Jesus, everything, everything. But there's always going to be some challenges along the way. But every other way of living presents us challenges as well. But everything is in Jesus, not just the spiritual, but everything you need is in Jesus. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. I just, I don't know. There's a whole lot going on in me. Something is going on in me. Something is going on in me. I feel like the Lord gave me something. I don't know when he did it. I don't know how he did it. But I know the Lord in the past week and a half, God has done something to me and in me where I feel like a wellspring of something in me. Just just knowledge that I know I have the Holy Ghost, but 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 for some reason, it feel like there's something else. There's a source. Yes, it's the Holy Ghost. I know. But somehow the source is feeding more than it's ever been. I just feel this. I mean. I don't know what it is. It's just amazing and incredible. Every time I sit down to speak, every time it's just begin to flow and I'm wondering what in the world, how is this happening? This is incredible. It is incredible to me. It is incredible to me. I got a call this morning. Last night, somebody texts me and says, hey, there's a big meeting uh, throughout our organization and Bishop Bernard is on it and he wants you to come on the meeting. I'm like, oh, here we go. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm always going to respect my elders. Elders, I, I, they send me the information and everything like that. And then the guy called me this morning and he says, hey, listen, um, this is what I think you need to make some mentions about. Uh, we have this other guy that's going to make some mention about this and some other guy that's going to make some mention. And he said, and one other guy, he told me he will, you know, write down some things before he said it. And so I started praying and all kind of things just thrown through my mind. I said, I can't write anything down. I got too much stuff flowing in my head. And so I just, I just didn't write anything down. When they called on me to speak, it just, just, poof, and came out. I, it was just, I'm just like, this is, this is, this is a miracle. Like, like, like God did something in the past week and have he turned something on that wasn't turned on. And so every time I can sit down, read the Bible, whatever it is, it's like something got turned on and it's just flowing, flowing, flowing. I'm just like, oh, Lord, it's good, but it's challenging because you become consumed and and there's a lot going on. And so I'm like, Lord, help me to balance all this. Help me to work all this because because you're you're feeding me stuff and I got normal stuff that I got to do, Lord. And so this is a very challenging time for me. It's a good time, but it's very challenging because he has turned something on that I don't understand. It. It's my first time experiencing anything like this. I'm just saying. So I want you to pray tonight. We have a prayer request that we need to put on the list. John Chester, we need to pray for him. He, he is uh, battling some, some really uh, challenging sickness in his body. And we want God to touch him in, in a miraculous way. And, and give him strength and heal him and make him whole. So 
Pray for John Chester tonight. We want God's will to be done in his life. Is there any other prayer request that we need to pray about? Okay. Okay. So there's one that's sick, two that's sick, and one that experienced somebody murdered her husband. His sister was murdered by her ex-husband. Lord help us. Sister Sharp's brother, high blood pressure, kidney failure. We need to pray that God will touch his body. I hope you're remembering these things. Yes, sir. Uh huh. Hines family, Reynolds family, okay. Pray for my brother, my 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 mother's last born, Gary. We need God to touch him. We need God to touch him and help him to get saved. We want him saved. We want him saved. We want God to touch him and save him. We want God to touch him and deliver him and save him. A lot, lot of prayer requests, church. If we would just take our time tonight and just talk to the Lord about these things, we need to talk to him about these things. I can't, we can't just get into prayer and just say things. We really need to be focused on what we're praying about and ask God to have his way. How about we pray and ask God to, to, to just intervene in these situations? Heavenly Father, In your precious name, the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you boldly because we know who you are, but humbly because we are in awe of you and we reverence you. Lord God, we're touching and agreeing tonight, Lord God, for there's much, Lord God, that we need to bring before you, Lord God. And Lord, while we know you will have your way and your will will be done We're just petitioning, Lord God, according to your will, that, Lord God, tonight, John Chester will be touched miraculously by you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, that, Lord God, you will touch him and heal him, that healing virtue will flow into him even now, Lord, and that you'll eradicate diseases, ailments, And, oh, God, that you will make him whole, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus, let it be so. I pray tonight, Lord God, for Sister Sharp's brother. Lord God, will you bring, oh, God, healing into his body, Lord. I curse high blood pressure, Lord. I curse kidney failure, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ uh, that his body will be whole even now as we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord God, for those individuals on Brother Dow's job. Lord, 
the, the, the family who are hurting right now, Lord God, because the husband, ex-husband uh, murdered his wife, Lord. I pray for that family that they will not lose out on eternal life, Lord God, but that through all of this, Lord God, you will reveal yourself to them. You will, oh God, move on their heart, and God, they will respond to you in faith and obedience. I pray that you will comfort them. I pray your peace that passes all understanding will come unto them. And God, for those others that are sick in the body, Lord, I command healing to come into their body that they will be whole in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, for the family, oh God, that are suffering loss, oh God, in King's Chapel's church, Lord God, Lord, I pray for the family, Lord, that you'll strengthen them, that God, they will, oh God, trust you like never before, that your peace will come upon them, and that your joy will fill their soul, have your way in their lives, and for all those in that church that are battling the coronavirus, I pray, Lord God, that there will be a wave of healing that will begin to flow in that congregation, that the healing virtue of the Lord will flow, and healing will take place, and oh God, miraculous power of the Lord will be unleashed, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, let it be so. I pray tonight, my God, for my brother Gary, Lord, that by the power of the name of Jesus Christ and the authority of your word, that you will deliver him, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that you will set him free. In the name of Jesus, that you'll reveal yourself to him. Oh God, that all that have come to destroy him, that Lord God, you will destroy those things. And I pray tonight that by your miraculous work and power, you will snatch him, Lord God, from the jaws of Satan and from the gates of hell, that you will snatch him, Lord God, and shake him loose and reveal yourself to him, that he will truly trust you and respond in obedience and, oh God, obey your word. I pray that you will give ears to our prayers tonight as we cry out to you as we pray the prayers of faith. Hear our call. Hear our cry. Hear our petition, O oh great God. And oh God, return miracles upon these people in their lives. Miracles that only you can do. Miracles that only you can do, Lord God. Have your way among us. Let your will be done in the midst of us. And we too, Lord God, will receive from heaven tonight. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. I feel the Lord in this place. I feel the Lord in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. We adore you. We thank you. Hallelujah. God is good, church. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm enjoying living 
in Christ. I've been able to live out of Christ and live in Christ. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. Living in Christ is so wonderful, so awesome. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for praying. Thank you for just standing in the gap. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight and probably for the next couple of weeks. We're Easter is coming early and we're getting ready to get right into Easter. Easter is April the 4th. And so we are close to the most, what we say, religious week. Amen. In the world, that Easter week, every religion has something that they're doing that week. Amen. And so we're heading towards that. We'll be there before you know it. Isn't it interesting? Hallelujah. I want to talk to you on this topic. We have, um, I'm going to do a series on it and um, do for the next probably three or four weeks, probably slide some other things in there though. I want to talk to you about transforming your community, transforming your community, transforming your community. Amen. When you talk about transforming your community, I know your mind probably is prone to go straight to the area that you live in. So, you know, wherever you live, you're thinking your community in that area. And that might be so. But I think the first thing you want to think about when you think about transforming your community is where you are in your place of where you're living, in your home, in your workplace, places that you're, you, you are at all the time. So Matthew, when I say transforming your community, you will think about your track team. When I say transferring your, transforming your community, you will think about your schoolmates, your classmates, right? Because that's a place where you are all the time. And so that you're a staple there. So that's your community. And so when you think about transforming your community, you start thinking, okay, my track team. You start thinking, okay, uh, uh, my, my classmates, o- okay, you know, wherever you are, that, that's your community. That's your community. So, yes, ultimately where you live, all the people around where you live, uh, that, can, that is considered a community. But I want you to think about you have different communities that God has placed you in. And all those communities, I want you to think about transforming those communities, transforming them. Tonight, we'll talk about how we're going to transform the community that we're in. And so how we're going to transform the community that we're in is by making the righteous choice. This is the first lesson of transforming your community You're going to be able to transform your community by making the righteous choice, the righteous choice. That's how you're going to do it. We'll talk about some other ways uh, coming up. Tonight will be the righteous choice. The upcoming weeks will be, you know, uh, transforming your community by your great calling in Christ. Okay, all of us have a calling in Christ Jesus. So you will transform your community by being great in your calling, 
also you will transform your community by standing strong in Christ. You will also transform your community by staying committed to Christ. So as we go along, we'll talk about these different ways of how we can transform our community community by making the righteous choice, by by being great uh, in, in our calling, by standing strong in Christ and by staying committed to Christ. We're going to start out by looking at the scripture in Daniel chapter one, verse number eight, Daniel chapter one. Verse number eight, the word of God says in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Amen. I don't know about some of you, um, but I know there are people when they travel into a country that's not their own, that that may not speak the same language that they speak. It's a different country that have its own customs and culture. Uh, some people get to that place and they, they, they say, wow, and they look around and they start to realize that, you know, th- th- this place doesn't have any kind of food that I'm used to from, you know, like what I normally eat. And so while, you know, I, I came for the sightseeing and everything like that, I'm comfortable eating my own food. And so they start to look for uh, a place where they can purchase their own food. You see, your own food represents your culture, your native land where you're from. And so when you start to think about your own food, you're essentially saying, I want to uh, eat of my native land, my, my, my culture. That, that, that's what I want. That's what I'm comfortable with. That, when we talk about comfort food, I'm sure every country have their comfort food. What we say in America, we have comfort food in America that you know, when things are going crazy, they say, you know, eat some comfort food. Uh, apple pie and ice cream is, is comfort food. What we call it, apple pie a la mode. That's, that's comfort food, right? And so a hamburger is, is comfort food. You know, meatloaf, comfort food. And they call certain food comfort food because it's a staple in that country. And so those are some of the foods that we will look at in this country to say that's our comfort food. So no matter where we are, if we want to feel like we're still in our own country, we try to eat our own food. Somebody say amen. When Daniel and his three Hebrew friends arrived in Babylon as carefully selected captives, remember now they were in Babylon, they were in captivity. And so when they arrived in Babylon in captivity, uh, Daniel and his friends, his three Hebrew friends, the plan was for them to go through an educational and dietary program. King's service. Okay, so not only that they bring them into captivity, but they wanted them to serve the king. They wanted them to work in that land that they were in captivity, that land of Babylon. 
This was to last for three years during which they would learn the, 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 the Chaldean language and eat the same food and drink the same wine as the king. To follow this diet would, however, defile these four young men by violating the dietary code of the law of Moses. Daniel providing courageous leadership for the four purposed he would not, somebody say not, he would not follow the prescribed diet. As a result, all four rose to position of significant honor and authority in the Babylonian government. Church, I can't say this enough. Here is one of my things I can go on my soapbox for for a long time. I have to say it this way. Uh, a lot of churches, a lot of churches, a lot of churches uh, have concluded that by being more, uh, I don't know what the word, what's a good word to use, by being more like, by being able to identify more with the world is good for the church. I know you say it no way, but I'm just telling you, if you pay attention, you will see a lot of churches that are saying, ah, you know, if we do this, it's going to help us reach the world. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, let me just use me so I don't get nobody else all worked up, but uh, one of the things I see that I don't agree with, that I don't see myself doing, is when, you know, the, the preachers nowadays, you know, they, they you know, and I, and I like to look cool too, but, but you get the preachers now, you know, they wearing the, 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 the cool sneakers, right? And they wearing, you know, maybe um, some jeans, you know, and then maybe they throw on a nice little turtleneck, Ethan, and, you know, and they look good in the pulpit and they preaching. Why do you think they do that? Because in their mind, I want to identify a little bit more with the world and maybe they'll come to the church. Church, I got to tell you, and I, when I read my Bible, I never saw anywhere in my Bible where the people of God are lowering their standards. The people of God are trying to identify with the world to reach the world. So I think as long as I'm here as a pastor of Christ Center Church, you might call me old fashioned after a while. But there's certain things I know about that I understand that's going to carry us to the end. And that is we can't lower our our standards to attract people because their change is dependent upon us and if we start becoming more like them they will never become what God want them to become but somehow the devil has snuck in and tell us just identify with them a little bit and maybe they'll start coming well I gotta tell you I'm gonna love them a whole lot but I'm not gonna identify with them they gotta identify with me but I'm gonna love them more than they can ever love me I've got God in me so I can love them. They can't love me like I can love them. I promise you that. There is not a person in the world that can love me like I can love them. I've got love in me. They don't have love in them. So I'm going to love them better than they, than they can ever love me. That's what they're going to get from me. Not my, 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 you know, ways of looking and being to say, hey, look at me. You want to come to this church? They need to be saved. 
And the more we become like them, the less they will need to be changed or need to be saved. So we got to understand that this says that Daniel and his three Hebrew friends did not conform to eating and drinking what they were eating and drinking in Babylon, and they became leaders. Church, don't miss this. You understand this, that a lot of times, a lot of times what really get our attention is when we see things that we know we can't do, but others can do. That always get our attention. When you look around and you see somebody doing something that you're like, wow, I wish I can do that. That draws your attention. But when you show up to someplace and they're doing something you already can do, that's not interesting. I don't know if you got that. Brother D used to play football. Just like I, I got to use you because I played soccer, but I never played soccer at the level you played football. And so when you're watching a game and you see them playing like you used to play, it's no big deal. Oh, yeah, I, I did that. Yeah, I did that. It's not that intriguing to him. It's like, okay, cool, I'm watching. But that's not impressive because I did that. But when you watch it and you start to see plays that you're like, woo, now he's different. That's how we that's how we view things. We always are interested in things that we don't have and things we can't do. Oh, you don't want to hear me tonight, huh? That's what interests us. When we see things that we can do and when we see things that we already have, it's no interest to us. How you think our first parents sinned? Yeah, I know my Bible. That's why I can say what I say. I know my Bible. And the bottom line is Eve sinned because she want what she couldn't have. So life work. We're attracted to what we can't have or what we're not. So why in the world would we become the church and start to lower in our standards of who we are as children of God to say we're trying to reach the world? You lessen your impact. You lessen your effect on people when you lessen who you are as a child of God. That's hard because in this day and age, I'm speaking about going against the grain now. Unfortunately, it sounds like going against the grain now, but it shouldn't. So what what the church is telling me is, yeah. That's kind of not how it is. That's not what you're saying, Pastor. That's not really how it is now. I can tell it in your spirit that what I'm saying, you're saying, yeah, I hear you, but that's not. Think, I'm not changing. I'm sorry. I, I will. I will. I know what to mess with and what not to mess with. Trust me. I know. I know what to mess with and what not to mess with. And there's certain things when it comes down to God that makes us powerful, make us effective and help us to save souls. You don't touch those things. You don't touch those things. And what you don't touch is when God has equipped you and saved you, he has transformed your life. You can't touch that because you didn't give yourself that. God gave that to you. So you got to let people see what God has put in you and what God gave to you. And you can't change that. You want me to give you an example? You probably have heard me say this before. 
Where did our morals come from? Where did we learn about morals? Ten Commandments. You know, again, the book. Ten Commandments is where we got our morals from. But as time went on, we start deciding that, well, you know, maybe this is not that bad. Well, maybe that's not that bad. And before you know it, now we're calling evil good and good evil. Why? Because we messed with the original order that God has given us. So every time we try to mess with God's stuff, we become reprobates. Every time we mess with God's stuff, we become defiled. Every time we mess with God's stuff, we are no longer effective. All right. Well, let me go on a little bit. Maybe I'll say something that you'll like So I go on. Hebrews 11 and 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Until we start viewing ourselves as strangers and pilgrims in this world, we're, we're in a battle. But the moment you accept that this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Mm. Can't feel at home in this world anymore. When you get saved, you're not supposed to feel at home in this world anymore. When you get really saved, when you get really converted, when you get really transformed, you are to not feel at home in this world anymore. When somebody begins to talk about who you are and how different you are according to all the other people in this world, you ought to take that as a compliment. But when you start thinking that, man, what's wrong with me? I, I need to be, you know, more workable. Uh, you're messing with, with dynamite there. We should not be surprised that we do not feel at home in this world if we're truly children of God. We should never really feel at, at home in this world if we're truly children of God. Like believers who have gone before us, we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. People of faith have never been at home in this world. Like our father Abraham, we are looking for a city that has foundation whose builder and maker is God. Revelations 21 verse number 2 through 5. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither 
sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Although we hold heaven's passport, we are now living metaphorically in Babylon, this world. Our citizenship is heaven. Our citizenship is not in this world, but we're in this world, but it's not where we're from. When we became born again of the water and of the spirit, no longer was this world our home. We got a new citizenship and we got a passport that says you are a citizen of heaven, a city that God has built, new Jerusalem. We, can, can we be people of faith even while we live in this pagan city? Yes, we can, because the award, our award awaits us. Listen, understand this about us. We will do whatever we need to do if we really want to do it. If our reward is good enough, if it's good enough for us, because what may be a good reward for you may not be a good reward for me. But if you look at it and says, man, when I look at the reward that is that is awaiting me, I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, to make sure I get that reward. Uh, and that's how we need to be thinking about heaven, uh, that I will do whatever I have to do uh, to make sure I get, get my reward. Heaven is my reward. Heaven is my reward. Much biblical history is the story of people of faith living among the faithless. That's just what it is. We can't change that. We talked about the wheat and the tear on Sunday. It's just the way it is. We are always going to be people of faith living among the faithless. That's just the way it is. Noah was one of only eight people among the entire population of the earth who were who was a people of faith. Abraham lived among pagans. The God-fearing children of Israel lived in Egypt among the idol-worshiping Egyptians for over 400 years. It never changes. God's people are in a world that is not their home, and there's going to be pagan people around them, non-godly people around them, but it's okay. It's what God wants because we are called to transform our community. We're called to transform our community. And if they didn't need transforming, then God wouldn't call us to transform our community. If we recognize our unique identity as the people of God in a world of unbelievers, we may wonder if it is possible for us to have a significant influence for good on those around us. If we reflect a different culture, unlike values and, and, and dissimilar beliefs, from those around us, will our lives be appealing to them or will they reject us? That's a whole lot, dear. 
And so I believe the children of God sometimes we we I know I'll tell you about me in a second. But but I know for you, sometimes you probably hear all of this preaching and teaching that you're hearing and you're reading and you're hearing all of this stuff. And you're saying it just what's the use? Some of you have looked around and said, what's the use? They don't seem like they want to hear what I have to say. And so why do I even bother to say anything? What's the use? It seems like people will never change. What's the use? And that can become very daunting. It really can because we're saying, what is the use? Because I'm looking around and we're just surrounded by unbelievers. We're just surrounded by people that seems like they don't want to hear about God. They don't want to change their life. What's the use? But I'm here to tell you every time you say, what's the use? Hmm. Hear me, Holy Ghost. Every time you say, what's the use, and you don't do anything about it because you're saying, what's the use? What you're saying is, you are better than the people you're supposed to be transforming. Take your time, preacher. Let me talk to myself. Take your time, preacher. Because here's the deal. If, if, if you got touched by the power of God to the point where it changed your life, what you're saying is you wasn't that bad. So God was able to save you, but they, they are messed up and they are no good and they can never be changed. So I ain't messing with them. So you're calling yourself good and you're calling them no good. So you better stop thinking that you can't change your community because they just don't want to be changed because you didn't want to be changed one time too. Yes. Every time you decide that they can't be changed, I want you to stop and say, forgive me, Lord, because what you're saying is you are good, but they're not. You wasn't that bad. So that's why he was able to save you. That's pride. And you're lying because you don't know how bad you were. You don't know how bad you were. And if God can save you, God can save them because all of us was in our sins. All of us was in a mess. And you can call your sins not so bad and try to call somebody else's sin real bad. But in God's eye, you was in your sin and you had no way out. You wasn't good. And only because of the goodness of God, only because of the grace of God, you were able to come out. You were able to get delivered. So stop looking around and saying, I could never make a difference. I can't transform my community. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the pride that is in you. And you got to say, God, forgive me. I can transform my community. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. The biblical evidence show that people of faith can, they can transform the society or community around them. Daniel made his mark in Babylon. He lived out his faith in such a remarkable way that King Nebuchadnezzar confessed the preeminence of Daniel's God. So before we think we can't, do something. We can't transform our community. We need to go and look at Daniel and say, what kind of impact did Daniel have? And we will see we can transform. And Daniel did it without the Holy Ghost. He did not have the Holy Ghost in him like you got the Holy Ghost in you. So why can't you transform your community? But Daniel can. 
in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46, the word of God says, Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Babylon. Let me tell you, he moved in Daniel's life, God did, and Daniel was able to stand his ground, and, and the king of that time made him ruler because he stood his ground. Not because he said, let me kind of entreat them a little bit and kind of look like them. Let me entreat them a little bit just, just, just so we have something in common. Daniel never did that. Daniel didn't say, let me just taste the meat and act like I'm eating it so they can see that I'm one of them. Oh, no, Daniel stood his ground because he was a man of God. He stood his ground and said, I will not compromise. I will not do anything as such. I'm going to be a man of God. And if he don't want that, so be it. But I'm going to be a man of God. That's what Daniel stood his ground and said. That's how you change your community. That's how you transform your community when you stand on what you know you are and what God says you are. When you stand on God's word, that's how you're going to transform your community, the society around you. Not by compromising, not by giving them something. Listen to me. When Jesus showed up at the well... When the woman was there, he didn't compromise anything. Here's what we're missing. Here's what we're missing. And I get to that before I finish up here tonight. Here's what we're missing. Being knowledgeable about what's going on around you and, and know how to have a conversation by starting a conversation with something we have in common is two different things than trying to look or, you know, kind of look like the other people of the world. Those are two different things. I don't have to look like you, but what I can make sure I do is what you know, I know. So when I talk to you, I, we're able to have things in common. That's what Jesus did. He, he, he had something in common with her. She was going down in the well to get some water. He says, I need some water too. All you need to do is just have understanding of what's going on out there. Get some understanding of what they're doing so you can have a conversation and they can hear what you're saying because you can relate to them in conversation. Not trying to be like them, not trying to look like them, but in conversation, relate to them. Two total different things. Two total different things. Uh-huh. Verse 49, that same text. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he sat, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. In spite of challenges to his faith, betrayal, and the den of lions, 
Daniel had such profound influence in Babylon that King Darius commanded all his kingdom to worship the God of Daniel. I love this. I, I always read this. This is, this is one of my favorite texts here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 25. Check it out. The king, then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nation, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in the heavens and in earth, who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel was reigning and being boss because he didn't flinch. He didn't compromise. He did his thing. He trusted God and he obeyed God. And that made him ruler. Because why? They look and they say, now this boy, he got something else going on different from us. He, that the king looked out and see everybody else was the same. Everybody in that country was the same. But Daniel and his, and his three buddies, they were different. And the king said, see, we got to step our game up in our thinking. We, we, we got to start praying and say, God, don't let me think like everybody else. Start praying about that. Say, God, I don't want to think like everybody else. I don't want to be thinking like everybody else. Because what happened was, let me tell you, the king is in charge. And here is how things work. If the king is in charge, he's brilliant. He's sharp. He's not saved. He's not a Christian, but he's brilliant. You just don't have a dumb king, right? And so he's going to be brilliant. And he looked around and realized all the people that were serving him, they all the same. They all the same. And then when he saw Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, he said, ooh, now they different. They different. I need to get them in my camp. I need, I need to get them close to me. I need to get them involved with my stuff because they different. Same thing happened to Joseph when he got to Egypt. He different. That's how we impact our world. But we keep thinking, let me be a little bit more like them to entreat them. It doesn't work that way. It's a deception. If we be who God say we are and call us to be, that's how we're going to transform our society and transform our community. Not by appeasing people to say, yeah, I'm not that different from you. Oh, I am different from you. I don't have to tell you that, but you're going to look and say, that dude is different. Because remember what I said, people always are drawn to and attracted to what's different than what they know. They are drawn to and attracted to what they can have. They're drawn to and attracted to what they're not. That's what get people to change because, I ain't gonna get into that, because we will do whatever we have to do to get whatever we think we can't have. You wanna hear something funny? 25 years ago in church, 
the way our pastors pastor churches was different from how majority pastors pastor church now. Let me tell you one of the things they did. They made it hard for you to be involved with the work of the church. Hard. You want to sing in the choir? Oh, you got to. It's a long laundry list of stuff you better be able to do. Can't be in the choir. Oh, you want to be an usher? List is long. Sunday school teacher? Oh. I mean, the list is just, that's, that's how they did things. You want to hear something funny? We had more people wanting to serve back then. It was an honor to be an usher back then. It was an honor to be in the choir back then. It was an honor to be a Sunday school teacher back then. It really was. And people said, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they got it and they tried to do it at least. Because they wanted to do it. We lowered the standards. And now they're like, ah, it's not that important. I don't want to do that. You see the psychology that we're so messed up and don't even realize it? Now nobody don't want to serve in the church. Why? Because anybody can serve in the church now. But back in the day, oh, you had to be special. Back in the day, you had to be something special to serve in the church. So you went after it. So you can tell people, oh, yeah, I'm a usher. Oh, yeah, I sing in the choir. Yeah, we wanted to tell people that. Oh, this week we wear our robes. Oh, I got my robe. Oh, you don't understand. I mean, back in those days, people stole people robe. They signed a long list of stuff saying that they're going to do to uphold and be a part of the court. But they were stealing robes. Because it was important for me to sing in my robe. Church, that's right. And now, we done lowered the standards. Ain't nothing going on. So people are like, that ain't special no more. Singing in choir ain't special. Teaching Sunday school ain't special. So nobody don't want to serve in the church now. All because the church has decided, well, let's try to work with them a little bit. Well, let's try to make, get some, you know, some, some kind of things in common so they will see that, you know, we're not trying to exclude them. We're trying to include them. That's what, that's the conversation that went on. And now nobody wants to do anything in the church because guess why? Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. What am I trying to tell you tonight? I'm telling you that you are called to transform your community, your surroundings, your society. But you have to realize that you cannot do it by lowering your standards. You cannot do it by trying to compromise and identify with those that you're trying to reach and trying to help. You can't do it because the minute they think that, you know, oh, it's no big deal what you're doing. Anybody can be saved. I see you last night. You was in the bar and you in the choir. So that ain't no big deal. That makes them say, I don't need to do that because you ain't no different from me. But when they realize you different, when they realize the blessing that's flowing in your life, when they realize how, you know, you're not getting old like they're getting old, they say, oh, something different here. What are you doing? Jesus has been good to me and I stay faithful to him. When they see that, they, they want to know something. How you look so young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, same people you went to school with. You see them, and you know, teeth look like it's crooked and brown and broken off, and lips look all burnt up from a whole lot of stuff. You see all that, and they look at you, and they're like, my goodness, you look good. You look good. What you doing? Jesus has been good to me. You stand a better chance helping that person get change than if you was looking like them talking about Jesus has been good to you. I'm trying to tell you how it works. You know I'm not going to. You have never seen me, and I, I, I don't intend to get in the pulpit and do the, the, the one part that I didn't appreciate about the olden days, which is, you know, some preacher did get in the pulpit and start cursing people out. Not literally curse words, but they just, you know, they, you know, they, they, they just, it was no joke, man. They come hard at you. But I won't do that because I, I've learned, I think it's right, that if there's an issue, we're going to privately talk about the issue and deal with the issue. And that issue will never come in this pulpit. When this, this pulpit is sacred, this is to preach God's word, and we're going to minister God's word. We're going to let the presence of God move on us. But we're not going to uh, be, you know, cursing people from the pulpit. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. So that I don't agree with. But I'm just saying, there's, 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 we, we can't begin to try to compromise our life to say, oh, you know, this will help us reach them. Listen, man, going to heaven, being a Christian is a high calling. The Bible calls it high calling. This is a high calling, and we can't water down the calling to make it seem like it's no big deal. People got to know it's a big deal. You know what was paid for this calling? You know what was paid for you to be in the kingdom? We can't water this thing down and make it like it's no big deal, everybody. Yeah, it's for everybody. But just like he sacrificed all, you're going to have to sacrifice a whole lot too. And we can't make people think that they won't. I'm not trying to run nobody away from God's kingdom. I'm just trying to tell them the truth. I'm just trying to tell them this is, this is, this is different. This is not that. We, we can't make it like the church is, is, is kind of like the world. No way, no how. We are supposed to help them change. We're supposed to help them. We can't become like them and help them. When I came to church, everybody had a, um, what they call it, a crown on. I watched everybody, all the praise. Oh, man, I got to church. I thought everybody was just awesome. I mean, they were just awesome when they sang. They, oh, man, I felt God's presence when people sang. It was just awesome. I knew that was not this. I knew that was special, and it was different, and it ain't this. So I wanted it. I wanted that. When people talked about, I remember, y'all don't understand this stuff. I remember when I said, well, I want to be an usher. I got to be an usher. And they said, yeah, you can be an usher. They said, but you got to do this, this. The list comes out again. You got to be an usher. And the final thing they said, and you got to have the Holy Ghost. They knew I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Oh, man. They were being nice. So they weren't being nice. They pulled a list out. You got to this, 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 this. Then they left for last. And you got to have the Holy Ghost. I said, oh, man, I ain't got the Holy Ghost. So I knew I couldn't usher. So every service, 
you know, I was still cool. Every service, I'm just in the corner praying because I didn't want nobody to see me get the Holy Ghost. And so I'm in the corner praying, God, I need the Holy Ghost. People are talking in tongues, and I thought, man, I can't do that. How they, I can't do that. I used to be at my bedside back then. I was at home living in the basement. So nobody can hear me. Got the basement hooked up. So when I'm praying by myself, I'm down in the basement. I'm there praying up a storm. Can't talk in tongues. I'm like, why can't I talk in tongues? They talk in tongues. That's what's going to make people respond to us when we do things that they can't. We're doing things that they can't, and it's not because we're any better than them. It's because we've surrendered our life to God Almighty, and he's working in our life. So something is now different in our life than theirs because we're allowing God to work in our life, and they're not. Not because we're better, because we're not. we got to realize these are the things that will make people say, I need to get my life right. Because truly, I can see there's a difference. But if we keep on playing this game and make people look at us and say, oh, yeah, it ain't that special. It ain't never going to be special. I don't know if I can finish. Esther made her mark in Persia. In the face of Haman's plot to destroy the Jewish people, this woman of faith led her people on a spiritual quest that reversed Haman's plan and demonstrated God's ability to intervene in the seemingly hopeless situation in order to bring to pass his purpose. When God's will is for us to be in Babylon, we are not to struggle against his will. We don't want to struggle against God's will when it's his will for us to be in Babylon. So when God put us where we are, don't don't complain. Let me tell you this. Can I tell you what's going to trip up a lot of us? I've seen it. So I'm speaking from experience as well. When I got saved, when I realized this thing was real and I realized how badly I need to be saved, when I got saved, before you get saved, normally your mindset is you're trying to work the system. What do I mean by that? You want to see what people can do for you. You want to see what, what, what the church will do for you. You want to see what the kingdom of God will do for you. When you're not saved, you're worried about what everybody can do for you. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. So you're trying to see what everybody can do for you when you're not saved. Listen to me carefully. If you save and you still feel that way, you got to pray through. Because after I got saved, I start looking at it from this standpoint. What can I do for people? <laughs> what can I do for the church? <laughs> what can I do for the kingdom of God? As a matter of fact, God, what do you need me to do? When I got saved, my mind was transformed and I no longer looked to see what can people do for me, but I looked to see what can I do for everybody else. A lot of people are failing, frustrated, hurting, leaving the church because they expected the church to do something for them and they probably never questioned themselves and said, from the day you got saved what did you ever do for the church because I read my Bible and the Bible says you gotta reap what you sow the Bible will show us we will reap from where we have sown 
Try God and see if he ain't real. Try him. You sow into the kingdom, you automatically reap. But you don't do it because you want to reap. I'm just telling you that this is how you have to think. A lot of people are looking for what people can do. You a Christian, let's see what you're going to do for me. You go to church, I'm going to see what you're going to do for me. I want to see what the church is going to do for me. I want to see what God's going to do for me. And everybody's sitting back saying, what are they going to do for me? And nobody is saying, what will I do for them? Whew. That's a big problem. And I'm telling you that, not to make you feel bad, I'm telling you to hurt help you because what happens is i've seen a lot of people walked away upset disappointed mad murmured complained talked about people because in their mind they were supposed to be doing something for me and nobody came to me nobody said anything to me but you never stop and said the whole time i was there did i ever do anything there you never did anything there but you expected them to do something for you I'm not telling you that people don't love people and just do things for people just because. I'm not telling you that don't work. But what I'm saying is we need to change our mindset from what everybody can do for us and start saying, what can I do for everybody else? When you get that mindset, you are getting ready to see your life change. When you get that mindset, you ready for this one? I'm done. Time going by. When you get that mindset, you won't be hurt as much. I hope I don't need to elaborate on that. When you start looking to do for others, then the other way around, you will get hurt less. All right. All right. You ain't catching me. I'm telling you. When you're looking to be a problem solver, when you're looking to make people's life better, you get hurt less. Then walking around saying, somebody better do for me. I'm done. A couple of things you're going to miss out on. Matthew 20. Let me finish with this. Matthew 20, verse 25. Let's finish here. But Jesus called them unto him and said, what did Jesus say? Let's look at what Jesus said. Ye know that the prince of this Gentile, of the Gentile, exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Who are we trying to be like? Jesus. He didn't come for people to minister to him. He didn't come for people to do for him. <laughs> I'm just finished. Let's stand. I'm not even going to get into it anymore. Jesus didn't come and say, all right, let's see what y'all can do for me. He came to say, I came to do for you all. And if we're going to be like Jesus, that's the mindset we need to have. That's how we're going to transform society and our community. When we start to say, how can we help you? Church, that's the way we need to approach things. 
How can we help you? When someone come into church, we need to say, hi, my name is Cheryl. I've been here from the beginning of this church. Shake their hand. How can I be of help to you? That's it. How can I be of help to you? That, that's it. If, if you will just change that little part in how you approach people and things, introduce yourself and say, how can I be of help to you? How can I be of help to you? If we do that, we're going to get hurt less and we're going to see God work in our life like we've never seen. And we're going to see our society and our community, our surrounding, we're going to see change start to take place. Because we're saying, how can I do something for you? God called us to transform our community. But the only way we're going to transform our community is if we ourselves are transformed. The Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And maybe we need to go to God and say, God, maybe I'm not truly transformed the way I need to be transformed. Will you transform me again, Lord, by the renewing of my mind? Or will you transform me some more by the renewing of my mind so I can prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Will you transform me, God? Because I want to transform my community and the society around me. I want to be one that will transform what's around me. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be because that's what God wants you to be. Let's not compromise. We don't have to go around. This is just me preaching to you tonight, but you don't have to go around telling people this. You got to use wisdom. We're not going to go around and say, I'm not going to be like you. Please don't do that. Oh, buddy, do I have to explain that? Don't do that. Don't go to people, say, I'm not going to be like you. Just use wisdom. What you just heard is what you just heard. Now put it in your heart. Have God to help you process that and now go and understand that. Understand you must stay in your position and not change your stance or your standards, but you don't have to go communicate that to nobody because the moment you start to make yourself better than anybody, you nullify your, your, your power to change your community. Don't tell them, show them. Don't tell anybody anything. Show them what you need to show them so you can be able to transform your society and community around. Show them. Don't go telling them, well, the Bible said, no, please don't do that. No, that's not what you do. Love them. And live a life that is transformed so you can be, you can affect your society, and your community by transforming them. Just don't become like them because it's not going to help you be effective. It's just not. It's just not. I'm not getting up in here with the muscle shirt. And trust me, I was talking to my wife today. You know, I've been working out a lot, Cheryl. I mean, uh, me and Cheryl can talk. So, Cheryl, I've been working out just like you've been working out. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been working out today. I put on my shirt. I said, ooh, ooh. I can feel some muscles growing. This shirt didn't feel like this on me before. What's going on? It was too late because I ironed it real good. I ironed it. It was crispy. Then I put it on. It felt. I said, I can't iron another shirt. It's just going to have to work today. And I think I worked it in a little bit. But I'm just saying, you know, working out, thinking I got a little bit of muscle. Listen, I am not getting up in here with no tight jeans and no muscle bound shirt walking around because I'm saying people can relate to me. 
People can relate. I got the tight G's muscle block. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. For what? For what? We're not going to reach them like that. But somehow we deceive and thinking that's how we're going to reach them. No. No. They got to see that the church is different from the world. All right. Lift your hands and just worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We adore you and we're grateful to you, oh great God. There is none like you, Lord Jesus. And oh God, we want to be exactly what you want to be. You want us to be. And God, we can only impact our surroundings. We can only transform our community around us, the society around us, by being who you call us to be. God, help us to not compromise who we are. Help us to not compromise our standards in you. Help us, almighty God, not to think that, Lord, being less than who we are would help those that are not like us be saved. Lord, will you show us how, oh God, to reach our surroundings, our society, our community, Lord. Will you impart to us your wisdom, Lord God. Let the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That, Lord God, what they will see from us is love. What they will see from us, almighty God, is the characteristics of God flowing, oh God, towards them. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Lord, remove out of us any pride, any sin, Lord God, that compromise us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, let nothing compromise us, Lord God, from the mission that you've called us on, Lord Jesus. I pray tonight that the word of God that has been spoken, Lord, will take root. It will grow and produce good fruit. It will grow, Lord God, and make an impact in our lives and others. I pray, Lord God, that our faith will increase and that the will of God will be done. Father, I pray that faith will increase and that this congregation will realize how important they are, how special they are to you and the work that you've called them to do. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray your joy and your peace upon them. I pray the will of God be done in their lives and that they will have great impact in this world, Lord God. Will you equip us and make us ready, Lord God, to do the work of God in this hour and in this vineyard. Lord, we love you. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we thank you. And oh God, we ask you to do what you want to do in us, to us, and through us. We give you the honor and the praise. We give you the honor and the praise. We give you the honor and the praise for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Don't forget our good minister, Brother Scarlett. He said from now on Thursday night, there's an offering basket for go, go towards our building fund. If you can give anything. But listen, I told Brother Scarlett this the other day. I said, I pray the congregation don't, don't, don't give half their Sunday offering on Thursday and the rest on Sunday. I pray whatever you was going to give on Sunday, you give on Sunday and you find a little extra to give on Thursday. God bless you. I love your church. Have a great evening.